Now, as we begin to maneuver, I've started, as we begin to maneuver through the conversation of our MVP, one of the things I'm going to need you all to understand is that in order to fulfill destiny, you must learn to manage moments. In order to fulfill destiny, you must learn to manage moments. One of the things that you will begin to understand is that the journey of life, destiny is revealed and is unveiled <coughs> in moments. Everyone say moments. Moments. Yeah. It's unveiled in the stewardship of a moment where opportunity must meet hunger, where opportunity must meet desperation. You will begin to understand that in the realm of possibility, that realm only rewards the ones who are ready. The realm of possibility only rewards those who have been tried and tested and those who are, who are prepared. This is why discipline is significant <coughs> in the unveiling of destiny. Follow me. Because your discipline today will ready you for your victory tomorrow. It's important. Discipline isn't cute. Discipline isn't a favorable choice. Discipline looks harsh on the exterior. Mm. But what lays on the inside of discipline is promise. Please pay attention. I'm going somewhere. Now, if you look past the harshness of discipline, if you will look past the regimented lifestyle of discipline, one thing you can be very confident about is that it will always birth something. You will always birth results when you marry yourself with discipline. One of the things that you will begin to understand about discipline is that you don't just get into a relationship with discipline alone. Discipline always comes with a partner. So it's always three-way. It's you meeting <coughs> discipline and that discipline has to be attached to something else. Mm. Follow me. The results of discipline are always dependent on what you choose to align that discipline to. Yeah. So if you discipline yourself to eat in fatty foods every day, you will bear the results of the food. Mm -hmm. If you discipline yourself to gossip, pay attention, you will reap the rewards of gossip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you discipline yourself to self-sabotage, mm. you and your life will bear the results. But if you discipline yourself to prayer, my God, your life will bear the results of prayer. What am I trying to tell you? Discipline deals with the conversation of consistency. Yeah. I heard something the other day and I was telling the teachers on Thursday. I met with them on Thursday and I was telling them I heard something from a man of God that really rocked me. And he said, look at what God has done in your life so far. Look at everything that God has done, the victories that you have won, the things that God has done within your life in terms of your relationship. For some of you, maybe it's work, maybe it's your relationship with God. Look at what God has done. Now imagine if you were praying every day and reading your word every day. Imagine where else you could be. Imagine how much further, if you think this is great, imagine if from the yeah. beginning you had taken it seriously. I tell you, that thing rocked me. See, your life could be one that people read about. You don't just talk it. Yeah. <laughs> then you're yeah. talking. And yeah. it, it really struck me at my discipline. Yeah. And the, the teachers, I, I'm telling you, these guys, 
AD, Paul, F1, and FP oh, were in the meeting. Am I missing anyone else? Amen. Now, these guys have taken me back to a discipline uh, <laughs> that, was, that was very, very ruthless. PJV will remember it very, 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 very uh, carefully because this is the, the, the discipline of, of, of the first year of, of, of when we started this, this journey with Christ. And, and, and they brought me to a place of conviction so much that I had to begin to address certain things that I had compromised within my own life. And this is what I'm hoping God is going to do for you all today. Are you following me? Yes, sir. Come on, are you following me? Yes, sir. One more, are you following me? Yes, sir. Now, I want to deal with the conversation of discipline because in order for you to lay hold of destiny God has for you, you need to instill discipline in your practice. Some way, somehow, get discipline in your system. Some way, somehow, in the food that you're eating, get discipline in it. In your relationships, get discipline in it. In your work ethic, get discipline in it. Let discipline begin to regulate some of your decisions. Because at its core, the way you develop is by being consistent. And consistency is birthed by a series of actions. Follow me. Now, when you are consistent with a series of actions, you gain momentum. When you are disciplined, Discipline comes from consistency. Consistency comes from a series of actions. And as you are consistent, you gain momentum. And even though something and starting something is very difficult, that's why it's always good to start. Yeah. Wherever there is motion, there is momentum. Ooh. Motion drives your actions and actions will drive your momentum. Pay attention. And as you are consistent in your actions, more motion will then be generated. And as more motion is generated, that determines the speed of your momentum. Yeah. But pay attention. The speed determines the longevity of your process. Hmm. Momentum deals with your next. At its core, it directly deals with the power of your decision making. What you do today should be linked to the knowledge of your tomorrow. I hope you caught that. Because we've got to learn how to manage moments because the reward is always momentum. And as momentum begins to build, you will begin to see that innovation begins to seep in. Yeah. Capacity begins to be stretched. Yeah. There is an expansion in your knowledge because one of the things that you know about momentum is that it can drive what could be a two-year journey to a six-month journey yeah but one of the yeah. things that you ought to understand yeah. is that though momentum is required for destiny momentum is a very delicate thing momentum is a very vulnerable thing mm. one of the things that kills momentum is when an experience compromises or takes your focus away from the decisions that you ought to be consistent on the light of god dennis Sorry guys, that was a break. Isn't it annoying that just when you become consistent with something, life begins to throw things at you at the exact moment when consistency is demanding for action? Isn't it annoying? 
And sometimes it's not always a bad thing, PJ. B. <laughs> See me. Correct me. It's not always a bad thing. Because some of those experiences directly confronts our decision making. And some of those things can be good. Some of those things can be important. Let me give you an example. Now, uh, 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 in, in what's the month before? What's the, um, what's the month that is? What's the last month I saw you guys? May. Now, in May, I, I was two months in a regimented place of going to the gym. Oh, God. I was, I was even speaking about my PT. I'm telling you, Toby, regimented. He was coming to my house 4.30. No, because I don't have time after, church, after work. After work is when we're doing pastoral care. You people think our day ends at 5 o'clock. Our day ends at 10.30 every day. That's why when you see Joshua, and Joshua is doing, you people say, meeting, Joshua wants to run away. Because he sees it. So I, for me to go to the gym, I have to go to the gym in the morning before I go to work. So Toby will come there 4.30, 5 o'clock, I have to be ready. He'll take me to the gym, 6 o'clock, 6.15, I'm back, I have my breakfast, and then I go to work. And that's when I was going. And it was happening. I'm telling you, it was good. I was even sleeping early. Me, if you know me. Uh, I, I, Earl Blackman, my brother, he, he literally said, real apostles don't sleep. Mm, nah, I want to sleep. <laughs> if you give me my bed, I will sleep for 12 hours. Ask my dad. <laughs> now, in that time in May, I was going to the gym literally three times a week minimum, sometimes four. We even had our workout program. We put on a group chat. We had our workout program, I was going and I was going, and life got in the way, right? I got tired. Mm. No, 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 like, this is not fun. Like, I actually got very, very tired. I got very, very stressed out. Responsibilities were all over the gap. And then I came to you guys and I said, God has told me to take a whole month off. Mm. Now, this thing was good. It was a good time, it was a good rest. Even in that time, I traveled. And slowly but surely, that three times a week became once a week. Once a week became, I haven't gone in two weeks. Two weeks became, I haven't gone in a month. You get the picture, right? Mm. Uh, and because I was consistent in my indiscipline, I gained momentum in that. Mm. Wow. So now a missed week became four months. So wow. since I last saw you, I haven't visited a gym. Imagine. <laughs> But I began to think, what if I had been consistent in going to the gym at least three times a week from that time? Where would I have been four months later? What would I even look like? How would I feel? Now pose that question to yourself for things that you have started. And I want to address it that you stopped because of indiscipline. Sometimes because of laziness. What am I trying to say? Once something is in motion, it keeps going unless there is friction. Mm. And where have there been moments of friction within your life? For some of us, friction came by not being disciplined enough. For others, it was not taking advantage of a moment that was presented to you. But for many others, it came through our experiences. Hurt and disappointment destroyed our momentum. And the painful thing about this is that when hurt and disappointment goes unaddressed, it becomes offense. And offense is an ugly thing. <laughs> you don't want offense in your house. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 
bias. It's ugly. Yeah. It, offense is not someone that you want to invite into your home. Offense is it's not someone that you want to sit next to you. You don't want to sit next to offense. You don't want to eat next to offense because when you entertain offense, it will grow into bitterness. Yeah. And one of the things that holds momentum and movement is bitterness. Mm. Here we go. Luke 17, 1. The Bible says on the NIV, Luke 17, 1, the Bible says, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone, though, who they come. Things that will cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone, though, who they come. Meaning, things like offenses may come. But how we manage and how we deal with these offenses will determine your tomorrow. Mm. You remember that when we began to speak about the spirit, soul and body, we began to understand that our soul is the one that we consistently have to pay attention to. Follow me. Because our soul houses what? Our mind, which has our thoughts. It houses our emotions, which has our feelings. It houses our will, which make our decisions. Our soul is our personality. It's who we are. With our soul, we think. With our soul, we reason. With our soul, we consider. With our soul, we remember. With our soul, we wonder. With our soul, we feel. With our soul, we make decisions. We experience emotions of happiness, love, anger, relief, compassion. And we're able to resolve. We're able to choose. We're able to make decisions based on the emotions that we feel one of the things that I am so 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 blessed by is the emotional intelligence of Jesus Christ how is a man who is able to turn five loaves of bread and two fish to be able to use that and feed 5,000 people. He has his 12 <coughs> disciples, people that he journeyed with. He had his three, three that he literally brought in into his intimate moments. But the time when he needed people, they all neglected him. Mm. Where Peter himself said, I will not betray you. But when they asked him, he said, I do not know that man. And even with all of that, he went into the garden called Gethsemane. And even though it was so burdened for him, he said, God, not my will, but yours. Even though he was so filled with emotion, filled with so much hurt, the book of Luke literally says that his tears were like blood. He was so frustrated. Can you begin to imagine that you have so many people saying Hosanna when you walk in and they're the same people that will be shouting crucify him. You ain't seen depression yet. Mm. This is a man who regulated his emotions. That when everybody left him, he still stood there on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He didn't let his emotions dictate his decisions. Mm. Your decision making is action from your soul. And when you experience disappointment, when you experience hurt, when you experience pain, when you experience offense, where do you think it directly affects? It affects your soul. Yeah. Because that's where your emotions are. And Jesus said that these things will come, but will it be to this person who it comes to? Because it has the capacity to jeopardize your destiny. Mm. but it also has the, the capacity to propel your destiny. Mm. Mm. When Jesus was met with the one thing that challenged his soul, it pushed him further into destiny. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But there are many that when we are met with these things, offenses, bitterness, 
Whereas people have hurt us. We don't we choose not to let go of it. What we don't realize is that the more we hold on to it, the further we're straying away from our own destiny. Pay attention. The power of bitterness is that when a painful experience goes unaddressed, it begins to seep into everything you do and who you are. This is because bitterness is in the same realm as your mind. Remember, the soul houses your mind, your emotions, and your will. And because your emotions are in the same place as your mind and your will, a compromise in your emotions could lead to painful consequences within your mind, which would then be revealed in your will through your decision making. Please understand this. What you have to understand, and it began to shock me when I learned about this, is that bitterness doesn't like to hide. Bitterness loves to be seen. Mm. Pay attention to this. Bitterness loves company. Mm. You will never hear a gossiper keep their opinions to themselves. You will never hear an offended soul keep their distress to themselves. Because what they think is often a cry for help. Please breathe in. It's often the promotion of witchcraft. (laughs) Gossip is witchcraft. Talking ill about another without telling them or without real reason. I don't care what they tell you. It's witchcraft. Take another breath in. Smiling in the face and laughing with someone when you know deep down you don't like them is engaging in witchcraft. And woe is the one who doesn't confront these because they will come, but when it goes unaddressed, you will hear it in your conversations. You will hear it even in your prayers, in your attitude, in your character. I've even heard it in prophecy. Christ. Some people prophesy, thus say as the Lord, and God ain't said nothing. Are you hearing me? Some people prophesy to look spiritual. Some people prophesy to bring glory not to God, but to themselves. For some, the source of their intel and their prophecy isn't from God. It's witchcraft. I've even heard it in sermons. Intentionally manipulating the saints into an understanding that God ain't told you to say it's witchcraft. Stop dabbling in it. Many of you don't realize that witchcraft has been trying to flirt with you. (laughs) Why? Because bitterness seeks the validation of others. So the next time someone comes up to you to speak about someone they don't like or gossip about another person, respond with, sorry, have you spoken to them? Thank you. Send them back. This one is what we mean when we when we say back to sender. Go, have you spoken to them? That one I give you authority to say back to sender. (laughs) Have you spoken to them? You can even say, darling, I love you, but I cannot engage in this. If they ask why, respond with destiny. I got too much to lose. (laughs) I cannot engage with conversations that would defile my soul. Many of you don't realize that even your kindness is making you vulnerable. And because they're your friend, and because they're upset, it doesn't give you the right to stop discerning. 
I'm going to say this louder for those who didn't hear me. The Bible didn't say test the spirit of strangers. Some of you will scrape your faces uh, when strangers or people who are not in your circle come to disclose things to you or come and talk to you. This is where your spiritual eye comes and you're starting to discern things. Do you not understand that the enemy will not use strangers to spread gossip to you? That the way gossip infiltrates or compromises the government of a person is by listening to a familiar voice. Yeah. Yep. The Bible says, test every spirit. So I don't care if you're my mama. Mama, mom, I love you. I don't care if you're my dad. I don't care if you're my brother, my sister, my best friend. I don't care if you run a business. I don't care if you're a senior leader. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're an archbishop of the Chief Central or Great Britain of the, of the Memorial of, of, of Apostles. I must test every spirit behind every conversation. Not because you're a bad person. Remember, if you are mature, you will know that the scripture says test the spirit, not the person. It doesn't lead you to separate yourself from people. So you people who use that, you people who use that as reason to, 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 to move away from people, please read your Bible properly. Test every spirit. Not because these people are bad, but because there may be an agenda that they may not even be aware of. Right. Yep. Right. It's not calling you to be spirit with everyone. Mm. I know we are, we, we, we think we know things and... It's not, it's not time for you to start looking at everyone and thinking that hey, everyone's evil. <laughs> it's that when destiny is knocking at your door, you've got to be watchful, you've got to be alert. Mm. Because the enemy comes in like a roaring lion, seeking looking, seeking for those that he may devour. Mm-hmm. And how he devours isn't random for It's not... Because he creates weapons that are catered to your weaknesses and your yeah. stresses. Every weapon that is fashioned against me. <coughs> Every weapon. He's not going to give you something that you have not been weak to before. Mm. He's going to, he studied you. People, you, people, we don't understand. Like, we don't give a thing to the enemy. But the enemy has existed longer than you. He's seen patterns. You're not the first person. Yeah. So you don't just engage in things by just opinions alone. Yeah. And you engage in, in warfare with the enemy, you've got to be alert. You've got to know who stands by your side. And you've got to engage with revelation. Everyone shout revelation. revelation. So you've got to be alert. And you can either talk about destiny or live destiny. It's your choice. And how you engage with destiny is by challenging Words with your own words. Mm-hmm. Pray. My sister, pray. My brother, pray. Bitterness doesn't like being alone. Bitterness loves being in a company. So be careful. Hebrews 12, 15. This verse really struck me. I'm going to read from the NIV. Hebrews 12, 15. The Bible says, see to it. That no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile <coughs> many. See to it that nobody falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and cause trouble and doesn't defile one person. 
it defiles many. many. Yeah. You've got to bring yourself to a space. Nixon, begin to help me. I don't want the, the soft one. Just pay attention. Forget the iniquities of the past. Mm. Forget the troubles of the past because you cannot make progress to destiny holding on to experiences that were brought to destroy you. How you tackle bitterness is to confront the experience that tried you. Bitterness at its core is when you have the opportunity to forgive, but you choose not to. And what's even worse is when people say, I will forgive, but I will never forget. Darling, let go. Sweetie, darling, let go. <laughs> There's a statement by Kenneth Hagen and it rocked me. He literally said, when you pray and you don't have an answer, one of the first places you should check is if you're holding any unforgiveness in your soul. Mm -hmm. And as we journey to the future, many of us run the risk of being held back from purpose because of unaddressed issues within our lives. Mm -hmm. And the significance of unaddressed issues is that you run the risk of sabotaging your whole, your whole destiny. And if and when you are able to properly confront experiences within your life, you will begin to see momentum gain, gain, and motion begin to build. You want to know how to tackle when offenses come? Matthew 18, 15 to 17. I'm reading from the NLT. Matthew 18, 15 to 17. The Bible says, pay attention. If another believer sins against you, go privately to the person and point out your offense. If the other person listens to you and confesses it, forget about it because you have now won that person. But if you are unsuccessful, Take one or two others with you and go back again. The Bible didn't specify, specify the people, but it doesn't mean take two people who are going to agree, who are your yes men. Mm. Take one or two people with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Yeah. 17, if the person still refuses to listen, then take your case to the church then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person like a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Mm. Now, when you begin to engage in this biblical principle, you have to understand that when you are addressing an offense to someone privately, you ought to do it with the motivation or the desire to reconcile and nothing yeah. else. Yeah. Don't come in with an ego. Don't come in to try and prove the person wrong. Mm. If truly your heart is in the right place, you literally say what you need to say. If the person says, you know what, I sincerely apologize. Even though you are still offended, don't go and talk to people about it. Go to God and say, God, it is, it's, it's still gingering me somehow. Mm. It's gingering me somehow. And, and I need to deal with it. Because when it remains, even after an apology has been given, mm. it speaks of even more of a compromise within your soul. Yeah. I don't have time to get into that. Mm. 
Some of you will approach another, speak your peace, and even when they apologize, it's not enough for you. It's like you want blood. Mm. Forgive. It's going to cost you too much to hold on. I know it hurt. I know they said all those things. I know they did all those things to hurt you. I know they disappointed you. I know they messed you up. Trust me, I know what it feels like to be spoken about. Where there are things that are said about your name. What it feels like to be judged before you even open up your mouth. You start to think that some, something may actually be wrong with you. And I know it hurts. I know it can be frustrating. And I know sometimes you've even tried to confront it. But sometimes the people who you confront it to don't even care. They don't even acknowledge the fact that they have done you wrong. I know I understand, but please, choose to let go today and not go back to it. Destiny is knocking on your door. Soon as you will begin, you will begin to see that even as I'm speaking, God is dealing with people. God is reminding people about specific matters and specific issues and experiences of when people have really hurt them. Mm -hmm. And in some sense, they're still holding on to it. And you will begin to see that those who truly want to let go of unforgiveness, those who truly want to let go of bitterness, those who truly want to let go of offense, if you want to let go of your past hurt, sometimes these people are unrepentant. They think they know better than you. I understand, I know. I don't know how you're feeling though, but I understand. And for those who God is reminding you and, and, and dealing with issues of unforgiveness in this room, I want you that when you feel ready and this is a decision for you, I'm still going to keep sharing the word. I want you to come forward at your own moment. If this res <coughs> resonates with you, and I want you to touch the altar and I need you to pray. The Bible says, cast all your cares and your burdens upon me. Lay them at my feet. Cast it. Tell yourself today, today, I choose to divorce myself from that hurt. I choose to divorce myself from that pain. Yes, it hurt me. Yes, it hurt me. Yes, I'm still holding on to that grudge. I'm holding on. I'm holding on to that unforgiveness. When I see them, I can't even look at them. When I see them, some of us... You just want to, you want to go off on one. Choose today, even as I continue, at the right moment, come forward, place your hand and just pray a few seconds. Leave it to God, but sincerely, and go back to your seat. Go back to your seat and just pay attention because I believe God is going to do something so incredible in our lives today. You will begin to realize, oh God, I see a lifting in this room, a lifting of burdens and of pain. You will begin to realize that there are certain habits or character traits 
that are in your life that don't align with God's character. When you begin to see it, don't leave it. Many a time, these issues comes in seed form. You won't always notice it immediately. This is why you have to create a lifestyle and a culture of deep introspection and a deliberate self-examination if you truly desire to partner with God's idea regarding your destiny. So conflicts, traumas, disagreements, and such forth, these things are actually there. And it could be there to cripple you. But you have to understand that what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to turn it around for your good. And it will aid your overall development. And when you are able to properly address them in a healthy way, you'll begin to see destiny and you'll begin to see motion begin to take place. You'll begin to see momentum begin to take shape. You'll begin to see that which you almost got you will see that your hand will be stretched forth even further and you will grab hold of it. Mm. I'm about to say something that will shock you. Some of you push yourself into trauma. Mm. And I'm not talking about the things or the issues that have happened to you because that's a totally different conversation. I'm talking about the environments we create within our own lives through unhelpful thinking patterns, through assumptions, I tell you, if you are someone who likes to assume, kill it. Kill it. You cannot marry assumptions and destiny together. Even a lack of emotional intelligence. One of the biggest mistakes we often make is that we see disagreements and conflicts as the same thing. Disagreements are a difference in opinion, but they don't always have to lead to conflict. Yeah. There are moments where disagreements are actually healthy. There are moments where disagreements are actually the instigator for change. Because if we're caught in a pattern and somebody comes and actually says, you know what, I don't agree with this because it's not leading us in the right way. Why are we frowning? If someone comes to address something within your life that's not helping, why are you frowning? Because that disagreement will instigate you into destiny. There are moments where disagreements or a difference in opinion can drive or aid into a movement or even into relationships. Sometimes disagreements within our relationships can actually benefit the relationship. Disagreements don't always need to turn to conflict, but conflict will arise or will be the result or will be the fruit when disagreements become unaddressed. Ignoring trauma or not properly tackling issues or experiences that have challenged you in a negative way, it will halt progress or worse, lead to a compromise in your health and in your life. I'm not just talking about your physical health, I'm talking even your mental health. Mm. That your entire system becomes compromised when you fail to address areas within your life or build a deliberate lifestyle of reflection. Studies show, and I was researching this, 
failure to address important feelings or issues or experiences that have come to hurt you can lead to problems in the area of performance in and through your life. It can lead to problems to, to low morale. It can lead to stress, productivity. It can lead to even, even problems in your ability to build relationships. It can even lead to severe mental health issues. The danger of this is that though your spirit man has everything that it needs, AD, it will be a constant war with your soul, which houses your experiences and your decisions through life. Because everything that God gave us on the cross he gave it to our spirit man. But you have to be careful about this. And I need you to pay attention. Because you don't want to be one who is at constant war with yourself. That your spirit, pay attention. Your spirit and your soul are constant war. It's not you against the world. It's you against yourself. Be very careful when you get into those seasons. Because destiny doesn't then become a matter of whether you excel in what you do in life. But it's rather... In whether you can overcome yourself. And when God has actually orchestrated and created the spirit and soul to connect and work as one, they now become opponents. Please pay attention. Matthew 12, 25. I'm going to wait for this to come up. Because I need you to hold on to this. When God created man, it was spirit, soul, and body. All of these were supposed to work in unity with one another. Because of sin, you'll begin to see that though your spirit houses and has everything that God desires for you, you'll begin to see a wrestling with your soul. And this is what Jesus said, and it rocked me. When I tell you, this word has really finished me. He literally says, Jesus knew the thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand pay attention you will begin to remember that when we began the government of grace series one of the first and primary things that i told you all to understand was the statement by jesus when he said that you are the light of the world a city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. It was a statement of position. It was a statement that detailed the importance of our existence. That statement revealed four critical things which were, one, our identity, two, placement of identity, three, function and purpose, four, instruction, <coughs> pay attention, identity because you are the light. Placement of identity because you as the light is placed in the location which is the world. So you are the light of the world. Function and purpose, because you are to give light, not receive it, Dennis, give light. You are to give light to all people. And the instruction is that let your light shine. So others may see your good works. I don't have time to go into why he used the word works. He will see your good works and glorify your father, not glorify you. Why am I saying all of this? Jesus said, every kingdom divided itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. My goodness. By reason of being called a city, it's a statement of identity, it's a statement of destiny, it's a statement of position, it's a statement of intention of the purpose of God. 
But all of that is irrelevant when you don't attend to the matters of your soul. Yeah. All the talk of mission, vision, and purpose is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're divided within yourself, you will not stand. Mm. Let me say this. If your spirit and your soul are in constant battle, if you do not regulate your emotions, if you not deal with the disappointment, the hurt, all those things that are there to confront the very thing that you have received in your spirit, if your spirit and soul are divided against itself, you will not have the capacity to stand. And what does the Bible say that we ought to stand against? Ephesians 6, 11 to 13. I need you to pay attention. The Bible says, Ephesians 6, 11 to 13, the Bible says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's what you've got to stand against. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, because you will be tested, you will, confrontation will come, offenses will come, disappointment will come. Because when they come, you will be able to take your stand. You'll be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. The only time I had to say to my, the only time I will bow down on my knees is when God is in the room. Situations will never, never bring me down to my knees. Are you listening? This is a season where you place in demand in your ability to stand. Some of you are going to be confronted. This is not a cute prophetic word. Some of you are going to be confronted by things which will try and cripple you. Mm. But your testimony will be is that it tried to cripple me, but I stood firm. It tried to cripple me, but I was immovable. That situation always brought me to my knees, Rhoda. But I can never bow down because of a situation. I only bow down to the king of kings. Yeah. Your ability to stand isn't just physical. Pay attention. Your ability to stand spiritually is a message to the rulers. It's a message to authorities. It's a message to spiritual forces of evil that they may have tried. But as long as I have strength to stand, as long as there is life inside of me, God will grant me grace <coughs> to move. That desire that I once had could have destroyed my destiny, but I say no more. Those actions would have canceled me in the sight of men, but God gave me mercy. Because of his kindness, I will stand. Because he has empowered me by his grace, I will stand. So I have grace to move. I have grace to jump. Emmanuel, stand. I have grace to run. I have grace for Emmanuel, stand. I have grace for acceleration. I've been given grace to stand. My ability to stand through the ugly. Emmanuel, the strength coming over your legs will be the story that the testimony of breakthrough is that I have the ability to stand. Amen. 
In other words, I stand so you can stand. Pay attention. The more you receive grace to be able to stand even when things have tried to cripple you and you say, I will not give up. You'll pave a way for testimony that will enable another person to say, because God has done it in his life, because God has done it in my sister's life, I'm not going to give up too. This is the power of your testimony. Emmanuel, sit down. I have been given grace to give grace. Nothing I receive is for myself, but all things I do betters not just my life, but the life of my neighbor. Tap your neighbor and say, I got you. Come and tap them and say, I got you. Smile at them. I got you. I need you to pay very close attention to what God is doing in this time. Because as you will begin to remember when we get with the first part of Compromise Systems, I began to speak to you all about the story of Joshua. And within this story, we're going to go to Joshua 2 in a second. Because I've just got a few minutes. I do want us to do one prayer. Are you guys ready to pray? Yes, sir. You guys, you guys, you sense the liberation in the room, right? Yes. So I need you guys to respond. Respond. The Zoom. The laptop's off, I believe. <coughs> God bless the person who's recording this message. God bless you. Please, if you are that person, please come and speak to me. In fact, who is it? Oh, really? Please uh, stand up if you've recorded this message. Okay. How many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. You'll all receive ten pounds each. Clap for yourselves. I need, I need, I needed it as well because I didn't press record. Now, in the story of Joshua, please come and chase, come and get me, yeah? Don't make me run away. As 80 both, gone. Now, in the story of Joshua, Joshua sends spies. He sends spies to a place called Jericho. And when I was reading it, you know, uh, um, you know at no point did God say to Joshua, go to Jericho. That was Joshua's actual decision himself, and God backed it. That's another time. Joshua sends spies to Jericho. These spies then go into the place and they do what they're supposed to do, ninja pipe. They are going in and out, weaving in, kuka, kuka, kaka. And they are going in, just weaving around. And they meet this woman called Rahab. And when they meet Rahab, Rahab says something. Oh, praise God. They meet this prostitute named Rahab. Now, Rahab says something because this is what you've got to understand. We're going to drive home a point. I've got 10 more minutes. Rahab now confirms to these people. So uh, uh, Joshua now wants to take Jericho. Jericho is a place that is known to have fortified walls. I mean, that thing was impenetrable. It was unbreakable. 
nobody could go in, nobody could come out, like it was one of those ones. I don't know how factual this is, but apparently the walls were so thick that horses could ride on the top of them. That's how long they were. Wow. Now, he wants to attempt the impossibility, the impossible. But then these spies infiltrate in, even that is a word in itself. And then they meet this woman, this prostitute named Rahab. Now Rahab says, all the people in Jericho are filled with fear at what God is doing through your lives. Pay attention. This was beautiful because it made the spies know that though the structure, the external, was preventing them, internally these people were weak. That the people of Jericho themselves were frightened with fear. And the only thing that was holding them was the structure. Externally, they looked strong, but internally, they were struck with fear and was rendered weak at the thought of a position. Mm. Rahab represented the state of the people. And the conclusion from the spies came in Joshua 2.24. The Bible says, they said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. And whilst they were penetrating another wall, this is when, this is Jericho, they're busy trying to penetrate another wall. They didn't realize that within their own camp, there was already compromise coming. Mm. Within their own community, laid someone who had their own intentions outside of the collective understanding of community. Pay attention. There was someone who was compromised. Today we're dealing with unforgiveness. We're dealing with bitterness. But one of the things that we're going to deal with is when greed seeps in. Now, there was someone within their camp that was compromised with greed and didn't know it yet. <coughs> I don't even have time. No, wait. Do you guys want to know why I told you to read Haggai? Because there was someone who was focused on individual wins rather than collective victory. Pay attention. Why are we exploring Haggai? This man that we know is called Achan. Achan missed the blessing that God had for him and his community because he was focusing on himself at a time when the focus was supposed to be on the community. Pay attention. He was compromised by greed at a time when God called them to be selfless. See, the enemy knows when to strike. This is why you've got to be alert. The book of Haggai chapter 1, the people were living in paneled houses, you remember. And God said, it's time for you guys to neglect all of that and begin to build my house. Because the glory must first come to my house and then your stuff will be looked after. 
Now the impact of his misplaced focus was too costly and that it jeopardized the lives of those within his own community. People's lives were resting on his ability and capacity to obey. People's destinies rested on his decision-making. The livelihood of others rested on the posture of his soul. Do you know what was so painful about the story of Achan? That there were two instructions with two different outcomes from God. And if only he was patient, mm. greed took him away from destiny. Mm. Joshua 6, 17 to 18. The Bible says, this is the first instruction. Joshua 6, 17 to 18, the Bible says, The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies that we sent. This is the first instruction. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. Achan was so compromised with greed that he decided to disobey this and had his brothers die by reason of his disobedience. In the end, he himself died. But do you know what was so sad? That the very next instruction by God, Joshua 8, 1 and 2. If only he had been patient. The Bible says, then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you. Go up and attack I, for I have delivered it. Into your hands, the king of I, his people, his city, his land, and you shall do to I and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Pay attention to the next instruction. Except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourself. Now set an ambush behind the city. Had he waited for the next instruction, he would have had everything that he needed. His decision to choose himself at the expense of his community was too costly. And in the end, because of his disobedience, at a time when God gave a specific instruction to shift your priority from yourself to your community, <coughs> he missed out on everything that God had for his community. Do you want to see the extent of what God did for his people? Joshua 24, 13. And this is what I'm going to end off. And I'm going to give you a series of instructions. And this is up to you. But destiny, you got to grab it. Joshua 24, 13. This is what God ended up doing. I gave you a land on which you did not toil. Cities that you did not build. And you live in them. And eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. In the end, had Achan been attentive and obedient, Broder, to the voice of God concerning what he needed to do within his community, everybody who had warred within that community received so much more. In the end, Joshua was giving people cities. 
They had conquered so much. <coughs> Imagine, I literally say, PJB, the whole of Hounslow is yours. The whole land is yours. It sounds unbelievable, right? No. The whole thing is, yeah, it's not unbelievable. Hallelujah. <laughs> back Who wants Peckham? Ha, you people. Me. <laughs> no one's Peckham. Hallelujah. <laughs> but imagine, they had conquered so much that in the end, he was giving away cities. They had conquered so much land. Achan was just trying to hide small things and he was killed for it. And that death was physical in the scriptures, but for now, is the death of your destiny. In the end, God gave them everything that they needed and more. Switch it a little bit, sir. The necessity of compromise systems. And I need you to understand this. Is that obedience must come before building. The necessity of compromise systems. Is that consecration from things that are not of God must come before building. Righteousness must come before building the necessity of compromise systems is that through obedience and separation rest is introduced and this rest must come before building i heard the lord say very clearly he said war for your destiny then build he says don't war whilst you're building and don't try to build whilst you're in war let me say that again War for your destiny, then build. Don't war whilst you're building. And don't try to build whilst you are in war. We're going to be dealing with this topic in great detail. Now, I'm going to give you a series of instructions about our soon coming fast. This fast is going to be very intense. It's definitely the most intense fast we've ever done. Since we, was, since we started this thing years ago. And even for Penum City, ever since then. This fast will be difficult. This fast is supposed to stretch you. But if you want to partner with destiny, put aside everything for 21 days and get involved. Mm -hmm. I'm making the necessary engagements to make sure I'm available during this fast. So Joshua, yeah. <laughs> Joshua, we're busting case for 21 days. Because for 21 days, even leadership meetings, we're spending time in prayer. Amen. I'm telling you, just 21 days. I I was speaking to Nana over the over the, the last couple of days. And we were speaking, and there was one thing. But he said that kept ringing in my ear. And as I literally just started thinking about it, the Lord just said, go. Go. After this fast, we're not going to have time to pray anymore. We'll pray within services. But it's time for action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nana said it. We prayed enough. After this fast, if we do this properly, the strength that we will gain from this fast alone will pivot you. Mm. 
don't have time to go into the Mount of Horeb. It will pivot you into glory. Mm. And we're going to read, we're going to look at Nehemiah and Manila. Because even when we're engaging afterwards, there are going to be those who are then called forth. And those who are called to stand watch, A.B., this is where you begin to raise the watchers. Where we intercede and we pray concerning every movement that is not halted. And that will be our only focus in prayer. Where there will be deliberate action. Now I need you guys to pay very close attention because what I'm about to say is going to be very different. The Lord says, consecrate yourselves first and you will see wonders tomorrow. The fast will enable you to engage in a battle for your soul and win the war for your destiny in order to see what I have purposed for your life. The last thing you need to understand is that David couldn't build because he was a man of war. Solomon was the one to build because he was a man who encountered rest. You cannot be at war and build at the same time. Greatness is seen by those who have encountered true rest. Mm. I want you to open 1 Kings 5 verse 4. And I read this <coughs> and just blessed my whole soul. This is Solomon speaking. 1 Kings 5 verse 4. That when David, a man of war, wanted to build, God said, no, that's not for you. Your hands are too bloody. You wore too much. I need someone who has encountered rest to build. It says, but now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. And there is no adversary or disaster. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the war had been done. It's not because that things weren't coming. Because enemies crept up later on. But that was because of disobedience. The purpose of this series is to bring eternal and internal peace that will give you clarity to build. Mm -hmm. And to truly see peace. Joshua 24, and this is where I end off, 14 to 15. Joshua 24, 14 to 15. And then we're going to pray. We've literally got about five minutes or ten minutes. The Bible says, now fear the Lord. This is, if you want peace, fear the Lord. And serve him with all faithfulness. Mm. Throw away your gods. Mm. Throw away the gods that your ancestors worshipped. Mm -hmm. Beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. What does that mean? Throw away the very thing that forms idols within your life. Yeah. Whether it be habits. Whether it be, and God bless everybody who came forward. There is still time for you to come forward. You throw away that very thing that tries to hold you back from destiny and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In this time of fast, I need you to be deliberate to get rid of absolutely everything, every habit, 
anything that, that is prior to this fast, God has forgotten about it. Mm. Yeah, as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he has removed our transgressions away from us. Everything, please do not allow anything to compromise your soul during this fast because afterwards destiny will be snatched from your hands if you allow it. You can't blame the devil. You can't blame God. You can't blame your neighbor. You can't blame anything else. Because the Bible gives you keys as to how, even when people offend you, even when people come in to compromise your soul, it tells you how you can still stand. You look at the life of Jesus because he is the standard. He is the standard. And even when people betrayed him, even when things came in to corrupt his destiny, he still stayed faithful. Now the details of this of this fast. The seventh of November to the twenty seventh of November. These details are going to be put on the chat. But if you want to write it down for your own purposes, I would start planning from now. This is going to be intense. That's not the intense part. I'm going to tell you. Twenty one days of fasting. And the theme is unveiling destiny. And it's in Joshua 3 verse 5. The Bible says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders. Will do amazing things among you. Mani Ezra. I see a property being given to you. Amen. I do. I do. God is going to give it to you. I see a property being given to you. I see a property. Don't fret. Don't hold on to any sadness, anything. Stay in a place of prayer. You will see. God is about to shock you. Now, Friday the 4th of November, make this day for people who are calendar users. Anyone who knows me knows I love calendar users. Friday the 4th of November, we are having a service. Guys, big announcement. During this fast, 21 days, we will be having a service on Wednesdays and Fridays. On both days. The idea is that on Wednesdays, Noah 360 is looking at me. Guys, I need you to pay very close attention to the next few weeks. Because in one of these Sundays, we're about to unveil Art 360 in its new form. Amen. Tatiana and Raymond have been working extremely hard. On Wednesday, I was with them in their strategic meeting. And they did a presentation to me about what's happening next. And I am genuinely excited. Amen. It's going to be ministry, not like the ministry that we had. And I bless God for them. Amen. But Friday, the fourth of November, this is one that I can tell you who's going to come with, who's going to be there with us. Now, the Wednesdays we're going to be holding services potentially in Hounslow. 
anyone who was with us with Art 360, you remember that we went to an event, we, had, we went to a building in Hounslow, mm -hmm. uh, 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 where Raymond did that crazy prayer that <laughs> all of us were, and still today, still to, till today, I still don't understand where he went to. But Wednesday we'll be doing that, but the Friday will be the stretch because we'll be going to a building in East London. Mm. In East. I'll give you all the details as we go. But on that Friday will be the service because the fast starts on the 7th. On that Friday we pray. And on that Friday, I'm saying it now, but I'm, I'm yet to speak to I'm yet to speak to my spiritual father. But my spiritual father will release us onto this. So I'll be joined by my spiritual father, Apostle Daniel Danso. I'll be joined by Pastor Peter um, and even Pastor Andy as well. You'll see these people. Anyone who was there for my communion, you'll see them. And then on the Sunday, the 6th of November, Reverend Ray, we're having our communion service. So the communion will be led by Reverend Ray and will be teaching on the power of the blood. And the communion will set us in shape and in order for the fast that begins on the Monday. Guys, everything is very particular. Mm -hmm. Please write these times down for the fast every single day, apart from Wednesdays and Fridays. We are praying at 6 a.m. to 6.30, 12 noon to 1 o'clock, 6 p.m. to 6.30, and 11 p.m. to 12 midnight. Four slots of prayer. Guys, I don't want anybody to come and speak to me about praying even more after this fast. Because things will be revealed onto you. Innovation, creativity will be given onto you. Amen. I need you to press. There are things that people will hunger and, and, and fight for that God will just give, give to you. To yeah. By reason of diligence Amen. for wow. this. 6 to 6.30. I don't want to see people start off well in the first week. And then three weeks down the line, we're, still, we're seeing five people turn up. Listen, take this seriously. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to beg you to take your whole future seriously. I know what I have seen. I know what these instructions mean. See, it's only 21 days. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. 6 to 6.30 a.m. 12 noon to, to 1 o'clock. When I asked God, oh, why, why, why the noon? He said, why are you even going to be eating? <laughs> You're not even going to be eating. On your lunch break, what are you going to be doing? Go and pray. But with that one, if you're at work, if you're at, just jump in. You can come out in that time. That one, if you're at work and you've probably just got half an hour, come in for half an hour, then come out. We're going to be praying consistently for an hour. If you want to stretch yourself, tell your boss, you know what, I just, Sally, give me two. <laughs> <laughs> Not Sally. <laughs> 12 noon to 1 o'clock, 6 to 6.30, that's. And then we 12, 11 o'clock to 12 midnight. Wednesday, the 9th of November, we're holding a service. Friday, the 11th of November, we're holding a service. Wednesday, the 16th of November, we're holding a service. 
Friday the 18th of November, we're holding a service. Wednesday the 23rd of November, we're holding a service. And then Friday the 25th of November, we're having it all night. We're back. Amen. Now we've had only two all nights. <laughs> and the all nights. Well, what, what did what did AD say? Holy Spirit. Twenty fifth of November. God has already given me the people who are supposed to be there. One has already confirmed. Amen. And and then we call her. Um, the, 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 the UK Victoria Renzi. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. Those who were with me yesterday, yeah. they, you mm-hmm. understand. This woman yes, came to destroy Fire. our whole lives yesterday. Yeah. yeah. She's going she's gonna to come down. She's going to come down. She's coming on one of the days. My brother is going to be joining us for the first day. He doesn't know yet, but he will accept. Hallelujah. Amen. And then the all night, um, we can't tell people, can we? Well, she, you shouldn't tell people. Yeah. Okay, then I said no. Um, but these are there are people, specific people. I don't want to push past these people. But there are people who God has placed as pivotal prayer voices within this generation currently. Yeah. And we're bringing them down for those Fridays. The Fridays are going to be the main services. These are the services that I'm not going to be leading. I'm praying. We're going to have a special guest for that one. So the first one will be led by somebody. Second one will be led by another person. Third one will be the all night, it will be led by someone. We'll be praying. The Wednesdays will be the in-house prayer meetings. Mm-hmm. That will be led by members of the church. And I need you all to come in your numbers. It's 21 days. Guys, how many days is it? 21 days. 21 days, days please. <laughs> Forsake everything for that time. Mm-hmm. And then we have Sunday, the 27th of November, which is the end of our fast. That day, heaven will open. <laughs> oh God! I let's rise up. Let's rise up. Twenty seventh of November. That will be the day of the fast. And from December, our New Year begins. Amen. 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 Our New Year begins. That's going to be the time of obtaining. Anna, you like this. Repossess. Repossess. In order to possess. There are some things, uh, let let me be a bit scary. There are some things and some organizations and some companies that are not supposed to be in this community. They have occupied spaces, buildings, engaging, and God has been speaking to me about monuments recently. But sometimes it's not in the declaration of words. But strife and witchcraft can be spread by monuments that stand as evidence of the work of the enemy. And there are buildings and there are organizations within this community that must go. Companies and organizations, uh, please, there are 
people in this community that look good, but they are not for this community. Yeah. And these people must give way. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. Now for a few minutes, I need you to help me, sir. Brother, I need you to help me. I need you guys to lift up your voice. And all we're saying is, Lord, prepare me. You guys have heard this word. Your response matters now. God, prepare me for the engagement of destiny. Prepare me. Musicians, help me. Prepare me. Musicians, don't come in yet. Nixon, just play. 